0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 388 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again in studio this week by my co-host, Peter. Coming
1: at you the liveliest of live uh, with the 8-track CD edition. Um, It's the newest format uh it holds 8 files it holds 8 programs and it just runs them all in sequence you can't choose the one you want it has to play in order and they have to be exactly 4 megabytes
0: so it's a 32 megabyte
1: <laughs> cd with no with no control that
0: is uh that is a stark decline, because <laughs> when CDs first came out, you could get 700
1: megs on a single layer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the worst thing is, it's just individual strips on the CD. <laughs> like, there's, there's just blank plastic in between them. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's like a worse record player. How much, how much, uh, what's the data storage of, like, a, a normal size vinyl record?
0: I don't know how it, how to work that out even. I'll say, like, so I actually just bought a couple of records. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, there's uh, there's two sides, right? So right. one side has, like, four songs, and the other side has the other four songs on the album. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, like... like- I would say, it's an analog thing, right? It's not digital, so it's hard to kind of yeah. convert it into storage.
1: Well, I guess we would use the example of, like, uh, if you can hold eight, like, four-minute songs, and in terms of mp Some MP4s, of those songs are a lot more than
0: four minutes. Okay. It's a metallic album. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: fair. <laughs> um, so, however, however many minutes of music in MP4 format? Um, I don't know how big an MP4... Of a pop song usually is. Yeah,
0: I mean, the MP4s. I don't really know. MP3s are obviously smaller and more compressed. And then you have FLAC, yeah. which is uncompressed and the
1: the fanciest
0: big or or Wav sound
1: file <laughs> served you on a silver platter.
0: Wav uh, is also huge. <laughs> yeah, like AVI, just no compression.
1: We've saved this as a picture. Thank you.
0: Um.
1: That has about as much to do with the plot of this week's movie as any of the dialogue in this yeah, week's movie. Uh,
0: this, so we watched Groom Lake. Uh,
1: we are coming at you live from the uh from the shadiest town.
0: From the eponymous Groom Lake.
1: Our studio in, in Lowell.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, like if those of you who don't know, Groom Lake is the closest town to the Area fifty one Air Force Base yes um and
1: William Shatner
0: for reasons not a hundred percent clear, William Shatner decided to write direct and I would say star, but he's really more of like a side character in this movie.
1: He is a he is a an endorsement he is a selling point for the movie uh, yeah. the edition that we watched on YouTube has an, an included 30 minute interview segment with William Shatner uncut where no one he doesn't no one asks him questions so it's not really an interview it's like an afterward
0: <laughs> an apology letter some might say
1: yeah um and we will talk i will talk a little bit about that after you know as we're talking about the movie for our feature but um he does make mention that like i went in the movie so that we could sell more to sell more movies
0: yeah i mean it makes sense i don't know it's hard to tell what he was trying to accomplish with this movie.
1: It's it's really funny when you hear him say what he wanted to accomplish versus what happens in the movie. <laughs> um, but we will we'll tantalize you with that.
0: Yeah, we will uh we'll leave that as a hook to sell our movie <laughs> of sorts.
1: And before that
0: <laughs> what comes before to... movies? Tra- Confusingly trailers. <laughs> <laughs> They used to put them at the ends of the movies, but then no one would stay to watch them. <laughs> yeah,
1: they put the credits before and the trailers after
0: they would trail the movie that's why they're called trailers and technically, they're now called previews, but names mm-hmm. stick in this business
1: I can't wait for the the first like I can't wait for movies to get to the point where you have you start having mid roll trailers, <laughs> <laughs> like you're watching the new Exorcist Five. Dude, exorcist. don't
0: speak into existence. The fucking
1: Justin Bieber's <laughs> exorcist believer.
0: We have to exercise a demon from Justin Bieber.
1: Um, and yes, in the middle of it, it shows you. It'll just show you a fucking McDonald's ad.
0: Don't speak into existence the dystopia where there are like mid-roll ads on movies that you pay to see in a movie theater.
1: Oh. Oh, it could happen to you.
0: It could happen. It very well could.
1: And you know who'd be the first person to endorse it? Adam Sandler.
0: Oh, of course. Um, just he's he's a hack fraud con man. Uh, just look at his latest uh, Netflix uh, fleecing with Leo.
1: Leo. Yep. I. All right. This is going to be a bit of a hot take, but I feel like of of on the spectrum of cash grab to. Um, what was that one movie he did that was really, like, serious and good?
0: Uncut Gems.
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess Uncut Gems. This is... I want to say this is, like, a 60% there. Like, it's, more, <laughs> it's less cash grab than honest effort.
0: It is. Um, it's a little bit less cash grab just insofar as it being animated. And even, you know, bad animation takes more effort than whatever the fuck Jack and Jill or Huey Halloween were.
1: Right. And it does not involve necessarily a... Trip to a luxurious resort location. Yeah, he's
0: not grifting a vacation out of the deal.
1: Everyone's kind of in on that at this point, uh, so he just gets the regular grift of being a celebrity voice actor in a in a moderate you know a moderate quality CGI kids movie.
0: Yeah, remember that that bit of Finding Nemo <laughs> where they're all in the tank dreaming yeah. about getting out? That's this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, Adam Sandler is his. He is Leo uh with his graveliest voice ever. Oh, I'm I'm old Adam Sandler. That just might period. be how he sounds now. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> it was years of doing Hubie Halloween has taken its toll on him. <laughs> um and yeah, so I I saw the full trailer. I know Kurt couldn't make it through.
0: <laughs> I had seen enough of what I had yeah. to see.
1: Uh but the premise is he's old and then they have to get he's the school pet. And they like, get all the school pets away. Like,
0: unreasonably old. Like, they show him being brought in in 1949, and somehow yep. it's present day, and he's still kicking.
1: Honestly, I don't know how... I think he was an iguana, right? Yeah. Even though he had, like, a chameleon tongue.
0: Some sort of... yeah. I don't off. know. How,
1: so I don't know how long iguanas can live to. How long... Do iguanas live? Yeah, fifteen years.
0: Yeah, twelve to fifteen years. Um,
1: Florida parking lot dragons. Long
0: life lizards. Like,
1: like I know, like a komodo dragon can live like sixty years, but that's because I know maybe too many facts about komodo dragons because they were <laughs> that was the coolest lizard when well, I was. Well,
0: obviously there. you have tortoises. Yep, live forever. Komodo dragons can live up to fifty years, but even that—that's past what we're looking at yeah. here. And I don't know why so... they went so ridiculous with the nineteen forty-nine
1: calendar. That's just—that's just when Adam Sandler was born, probably. Um, this we're is just this world. is just him speaking. Like this is maybe this is his vanity project <laughs> because what happens is he gets sent home with like kids and they find out that he can talk. Now where you cut off That's an this...
0: unnecessary wrinkle to this
1: whole thing. Yes, they threw in the talking animal trope. But they continue it forward and this is where you dropped off, is that he starts giving like life advice to all the kids. Oh my god. And he's like he's being a father figure to them. They're like, Oh, you're so cool, Leo.
0: Anson was born September ninth, nineteen sixty six. Okay. In Brooklyn. Surprise. <laughs>
1: Who who'd have thunk? Um yeah so that's that's the next part of the story is like he he becomes like the mentor figure for all these kids, and then presumably there's someone who wants to take that away
0: yeah there's gonna have to be some driving conflict right, or maybe it's just that he gets gets to die in I don't know <laughs> <laughs>
1: just comes just comes face you know that's that's an Adam Sandler move we've seen before where it it just becomes a really dour take. <laughs> on one's own mor- mortality. <laughs> Thank you, Click. No, I'm really... so glad we got to see <laughs> you skip your entire life and live in a world.
0: What a you... what a fucking weird! That was one of the first movies I ever remember like looking forward to based on the trailer, and actually seeing and being like really disappointed in. And...
1: Yeah, because I mean, Adam Sandler had done some of his at best the, work at that,
0: at that time. He was. You know putting out good stuff um he hadn't quite that was kind of like the the start of the downturn really because he was coming <laughs> well, off of Mr Deed's the start of the which Ruination. is one, one of his better movies that's like the one Adam Sandler movie my dad will admit to liking yeah um and then he did click and kind of disappeared for a minute and then that started the the fucking cavalcade of like you know, grown-ups and jack and jill and all his started, netflix from there stuff. it
1: started innocently enough with like bedtime stories which was okay yeah but, i mean but like he, it,
0: he'd sprinkle a decent one in there like it wasn't it wasn't like straight down right there was, was a descent and it, yeah. it and you know there were some some peaks and valleys within there obviously like uncut gems kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another really dour Adam Sandler yeah. movie, <laughs> but it's meant to be dour. It's not meant to be a comedy.
1: Yeah, you have unkept gems. And then you have stuff like Sandy Wexler. Oh my fucking god! I could not get through. We we made it twenty
0: minutes into Sandy Le- Wexler, yeah. if that, and just the voice, man. It's like
1: it was. It was all worst instinct in
0: instincts learned all up. the le- le- wrong yeah one <laughs> of those situations where they learn all the wrong lessons <clears throat> so like venom 2 they learned all the lo- wrong lessons from the first movie
1: yeah as as adam sandler says in his interview for pixels we didn't progress <laughs> <laughs> um that's leo that movie. is leo um I I don't know where to go from. I here.
0: guess uh, let's stay on Netflix. Uh, okay, Garbo yep. and talk about Pain Hustlers, which is a ba- inspired by not n- not based on the true story. So I guess they've fabricated enough of it where they can't even claim that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> um. Um,
1: it's based on kind of the vibe, based on a true vibe. I want that's got to be a mo- like so, like Spike Spike Lee's next movie
0: <laughs> based on a true vibe.
1: Um yeah, so it's it's about um the people who would sell I believe it's the opioid sellers who would sell the prescriptions to the doctors. Yeah,
0: so this woman is down on her luck, she's kinda homeless, or they move into a motel here and her daughter, and um she used to sell for Cutco. <laughs> yes. Uh which made me chuckle a little bit. Um, because
1: everyone every high schooler sold for cutco or at, or at least, least one high was solicited
0: every... to sell for cutco like they yeah. were recruiting at my graduation i remember they were just like going up the kids being like hey you want a job i'm like i don't know Go away from me i'm going to college um
1: <laughs> look how that turned out
0: i mean it brought me great success <laughs> we're in we're in my beautiful home right now um but uh, anyway this this lady uh Goes to an interview Basically begs Chris Evans For a job She's like Please give me a chance And I'm like If that's all you have to do In an interview To get hired
1: I mean if you're a scummy Opioid uh, solicitor
0: Yeah maybe he recognizes That desperation Is a powerful uh, motivator Which uh, if that subtext Was not clear enough Don't worry They put in narration for you
1: They put that in the text
0: Um Took that out of the sub I know a lot of solvers That use subtext And they're all cowards (laughs)
1: Um (laughs)
0: And then yeah. she makes a lot of money, but the weird thing is, like, they cut to her, like in the beginning of the trailer, they show her and her daughter sleeping in the same bed in the motel, and you're like, okay, it's a motel, you have to do that. But then they cut to when she's making money, and they make they make a point of like, it's... oh, you're you're making like 600k this year, yeah. and she's still sharing a bed with her daughter.
1: <laughs> it's like, yeah, I either you didn't, you you put that money somewhere else, or. I don't know, maybe it's a maybe it's a family thing. That's that's still a little That's off.
0: gonna cause some psychological damage. Yeah.
1: It was the uh this is not the Wolf of Wall Street, it's the Beagle of Pill Street.
0: Yeah, it's uh well, I guess this
1: And then Andy Andy Garcia is the literally just the boss from Cat in the Hat, who's uh who's a germaphobe.
0: Yeah. I'm reading the, the synopsis here and Um, the trailer did not do a great job of communicating some of the things the synopsis is stating, so I don't know who to believe. Uh, So the synopsis, after losing her job, a woman who's struggling to raise her daughter takes a job out of desperation. She begins working at a failing pharmaceutical startup, but what she doesn't anticipate is the dangerous racketeering scheme she suddenly entered. Which, like, (laughs) I... I didn't see a whole lot of that in the trailer. I just assumed that she got into like pushing opioids and the, the reckoning was going to be realizing what these drugs are doing to people.
1: Yeah. Um, maybe that's also part of it. Who knows? I'm not going to find out.
0: From director David Yates, who's done some stuff that I think I've seen. Uh, let's pull up his IMDb. But it stars Andy Garcia, Chris Evans, and Emily Blunt. So they, uh, they spent money on some, some decent leads here. Yes. All right, David Yates has done the Fantastic Beast shit, um, the Legend of Tarzan, the one with Sam Jackson, the tailor that goes, "You're Tarzan," <laughs>
1: <laughs> "You're Tarzan," yeah.
0: Oh, there are already reviews out for Pain Hustlers, five point eight stars on IMDb.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Um, oh, I guess he did he direct all the fucking Harry Potter movies. Oh, he directed from. Order of the Phoenix on.
1: Mm. Oh, okay. I'm looking. So I'm just looking at some stuff here. Um, kind of unrelated, but uh, the New York Film Festival was earlier this week. So a lot of these stuff is probably where we're seeing these things. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, um, I will jump here in the same, just kind of jump to one that's not on. Our, our beloved and lifeline Rotten Tomatoes trailers um, to a Showtime trailer, uh, which Kurt will probably take a look at as I'm describing it, called The Curse. Um, and I normally wouldn't bring this up, but it's Nathan Fielder. Um, and uh, I think and Emma Stone. Uh, and it is a like a dark comedy series. It's an A24
0: series. Yes. That, that's kind of... Uh, unique
1: so in this latest installation of Nathan for you, his his latest money making scheme is buying a a uh, he's a house they're house flippers, and uh, I guess they go into this small community, and they think they're doing good, but they're being obnoxious, uh, invasive people who are like muscling in on the local culture and uh, <laughs> Nathan Fielder. His character, um, doing the most Nathan Fielder thing, (laughs) gives a $100 bill to a little kid and then (laughs) tries to take it back. (laughs) And then the kid curses him. (laughs) And then their life starts going uh, A24 out of... Like, it's A24 horror where life just gets weird. Yeah, I've never
0: watched an A24 horror movie all the way through. So uh, I don't know how they typically end up. But, yeah, it's it's fucking, <laughs> it's silly. <laughs> it's a silly, silly thing. And, of course, the, uh, the description makes it sound so much more important than it really is. It's a genre-bending Showtime series that explores how an alleged curse disturbs the relationship of a newly married couple as they try to conceive a child with... While co-starring in their new home improvement show, the series stars Oscar winner Emma Stone, Nathan Fielder, Benny Safdie. Guest stars include Oscar nominee Barkhard Abid, Emmy nominee Corbin Burnson. Oh, Corbin Burnson's this, yeah. and Constance Shulman. Produced by A Twenty Four, the curse is created. By rob schneider <laughs> no benny Sadiev, who i guess has put himself benny Sadiev and nathan fielder co-created it so they've they've
1: inserted themselves into their own show here yes um so that's that's the curse it's it's genre bending in that it fits perfectly into the dark comedy genre
0: yeah um a24 has got a movie coming out as well, and it's one that I've been keeping an eye on for a while, and it was nice to finally see a trailer for it, and it's uh, The Iron Claw, which is about the Von Erich yep. family. More specifically, I think, Carrie Von Erich. Um, I think so. And that's I believe that's who Zac Efron plays. Um, the Von Erichs, if you're not familiar, there's a great... Uh, if you have a Hulu subscription, there's a show called Dark Side of the Ring, Um, and they had a really great episode on the Von Erich family, which are, if you don't know the story of the Von Erichs, uh, they were the fixtures, Fritz Von Erich was the promoter of the, uh, USWA, I think it was, uh, they ran out of the Sportatorium in, uh, somewhere in Texas i forget exactly where Whichever but whatever
1: texas territory it was they
0: were super over in that territory like they were legends in in texas the von ericks were and um the great tragedy of their family is that like they all started dying and mm. um sometimes or most of the time it was you know self-inflicted deaths because of uh you know getting into drugs and the pressures of carrying a territory and you know having the kind of relationship with your father that you would have when your father's a wrestling wrestler. promoter and you're are. his wrestler's yeah. um you know it's not really always such a parental relationship like,
1: there's a great line right at the beginning of the trailer where he's like the ranking the favorites are you then you then you then you then you, then you. the rankings can change yeah he just tells that right to their faces over breakfast.
0: I think they got a good actor to play Fritz von Eric. Um all the all the von Eriks yeah. look more or <laughs> less like they should.
1: Let me I'll run this down real quick because we got Jeremy White as Carrie, Zach Efron as Kevin. No, oh, it's Kevin Von Eric, okay. In a in a wig. A very bad wig. Or
0: maybe maybe yeah. it's his actual hair and it's just really they use a lot of hairspray. It looks very stiff and very unnatural.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um Harris Dickinson is David, and MJF is Lance. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Maxwell Jacob Friedman as Lance von Eric. He's
0: playing Lance von Eric. I didn't see him in the trailer.
1: I yeah, maybe he didn't. I don't know.
0: Or maybe he's better disguised. I mean, MJF. I'm sure he's this built, is built, but he's a little small to be playing von Eric. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, maybe these guys are all. I I don't recall. I don't know if Zach Efron is a particularly tall guy. No, he's
0: either. like 5'8", So, so maybe, maybe, they're maybe they all shrunk like, them all down. To, yeah, <laughs> to they're scale. all comparable
1: size, and then you you give them the group Tom Cruise, yeah. otherwise known as a Hobbiting.
0: Von Eric's, I want to see because I got. I think they were all like well over six feet tall. Oh yeah. Um, the Von Eric family from Texas, Fritz Von Eric was born Jack Barton Atkinson <laughs> in Jewett, Texas. Oh, he was trained by Stu Hart. I did not know that. Okay. Um, so he's uh, a Hart the, Dungeon graduate. That, that puts some things into perspective. <laughs> yeah, some things kind of make sense now. <laughs> um, yeah, Carrie Von Eric, who I believe wrestled in the WWE. So they were W yeah, world-class championship wrestling. That's hmm. what they were. They were world-class. Um, I believe Kevin, it was either Kevin or Kerry wrestled for WWE as the Texas Tornado, but it was after their motorcycle accident where they lost like half their foot. Oh. So he had like, he used to wrestle barefoot, and then all of a sudden when he was in WWE, uh, he was wearing boots uh, to cover up the fact that he didn't, Half half a foot, half a foot. Yeah. and I I think there was, I don't remember the exact details of the story, but I want to say he had hid that from WWF when he signed. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, no, let me okay. So Kerry, yeah, Kerry was the Texas Tornado in WWF where he won the IC title at the 1990 SummerSlam and the Global Wrestling Federation. Uh, yeah, Kerry shot himself, mm. um, and I think Fritz found him. Yeah, like, I, as, uh, Fritz has the, some shortcomings as a father, but no guy deserves to have to bury, like, three out of four of his sons.
1: Yeah, that's a. Is a dark curse.
0: It is it is quite dark, so I I'm interested to see how depressing they make this movie. <laughs> mm. Uh, what what kind of timeline too? they cover? Like, um, you know, they're they're focusing around Kevin, which is interesting because he's he, I guess he's kind. Of, I don't know if he, was he the oldest, maybe maybe that's why he's the focal point here. But uh, he didn't have the biggest mainstream success. That was definitely Carrie. Right. And in terms of evaluating their wrestling talent, Carrier was the best worker of the bunch. Um, but they kept dying, and they <laughs> he ran out of sons. So he uh, I don't I forget who the wrestler was, but they tried to pass him off as Yvonne Eric, and oh. everyone saw through that real quick. <laughs> he didn't get over very well, uh, but it's it's a fascinating, but very. Uh, tragic story, tragic story. Yeah. so lends itself great to a movie excited to see how it comes out Zach yeah. Afron has really kind of transformed himself into a, a pretty reliably good actor mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah he will he will sit very nicely in a role and and really execute
0: and he got himself in a great shape for the role I know he's always been in good shape but like there's that is... phase
1: where he had the infamous kind of beer belly
0: yeah I mean that's it's getting older Yes. <laughs>
1: That's what I said. Like the, I, I don't disagree that he had he he put he he hired the Hollywood trainers and got his his transformation. Got on his
0: his uh, cycle. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, I hate to be that guy to everyone who who marvels at the bodies of some of these Hollywood stars. They're all juicing. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, what, you can't you can't oh, transform
0: MK- your body in that short amount of time frame without
1: enhancement. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, the MPAA got him on performance-enhancing trucks. He's been, yeah, there's, there's he's no, been disqualified from no, the Oscars. There's
0: no consequences for it, so yeah. why the fuck not? Um, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where if they get caught it's with like, it, they have the money to kind of, like, make that trouble go away.
1: Yeah, because it's really just a PR hit. Like, there's nothing, like, unlawful about it, right?
0: um certain and i think anabolic steroids are illegal but it's so easy to find a doctor that will subscribe you like testosterone replacement therapy stuff which essentially if you're not like if you don't need if you don't have low t and need trt it's essentially just hgh that you can get legally
1: (laughs) human growth gel slap it on and um feel the feel the tea. it's it's um, it's
0: it's shockingly easy to get steroids <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> because if you tell a doctor that you you feel you have a hormone deficiency there's not a lot of like objective testing that can be done to prove you don't so as long as you have an amenable enough doctor they'll prescribe you some stuff to help with that <laughs> then you can just yeah. hit the gym <laughs> i've
1: got well, I, this was this was in the days before, you know, you would have your ERMJ doctor and your T doctor <laughs> got a whole suite for them. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't
0: know. I don't know where you're going with your voice right now. Your face is I, completely away from I'm your microphone. Walking,
1: I'm walking away from this conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Uh. What's what's our next trailer?
0: Um, it was, uh, d- the d- Dragon Ball d- Dima. Yeah.
1: Speaking of, I guess, um, invigorating treatments, uh, it's like, he, it's like the guy who is doping himself with his son's blood <laughs> to to stay young. <laughs> I remember that story. Uh, Dragon Ball is doping itself with an old, uh, arc to try and stay relevant.
0: Yeah, remember the worst part of GT? Happy 40th anniversary. They're doing that for everyone now. I guess that someone wishes that everyone's young again, and now it's just... They didn't show a whole lot. Like, I'm not 100% sure what's going on in this series, other than they showed a lot of Kid Goku with the Power Pole again. So they, yep. they brought back the Power Pole, which is something they didn't do in GT, so maybe that enhances the experience somewhat. But I... It's not what I want.
1: <laughs> I want yeah. the next chapters of Super, Super. please. Put <laughs> them up. You finished a really good arc, and then we just kind of dropped and then
0: it. And you stopped it. Like, Tournament of Power definitely kind of felt right at the ship. It's easy to do a tournament arc in a Shonen anime. Yeah. Um,
1: so you fit in a whole tournament arc, and you've put in all the work to do uh, Dragon Ball Superhero.
0: Yeah, you did Superhero, and there's been like no follow up on that um there's several arcs from the manga that have been completed by now that seem pretty interesting uh you know including a fucking whole new transformation for yeah, vegeta I, have, I haven't seen it yet um yeah i've i don't know what it lo- what it looks like <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm saving myself until they can show it. Well,
0: no, it's just like manga's black and white, right? So Ah yeah. Um Okay. You know, I maybe there's a col- colored in cover of Ultra Ego, but I haven't seen it. Mm. Like wow. the 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 next arc in the Super Manga at the Tournament of Power, like seems genuinely interesting. Uh but They, for whatever reason, just don't want to go through it. I hope it's just they're they're buying time.
1: Yeah. Like, didn't they make that spinoff series, too, where, like, Gohan goes into, like, a weird pocket dimension and has to fight dudes for a little bit? That was, like, a filler series video game or some shit. I don't even remember.
0: I mean, there's... I think there's, like, infrequent episodes of... Uh, Dragon Ball Heroes I think it's called like based on the pachinko game or whatever oh, it's not a yeah. pachinko game but it's some arcade game that's really popular in Japan where it has all it's called Dragon Ball Heroes I want to say and it has all these like is like, it one of those where you... it has the cards that you yeah touch? it's a car... it's a collectible card game and like the, the interesting thing to me about it is that it has a lot of like what if uh, characters in, in transformations Like uh, Legendary Super Saiyan 3 Brawly Super Saiyan 3 Future Trunks um, mm-hmm. Stuff like that Like fusions that never, actu- never Happened in the anime And none of it's like canon But it's popular enough where I've seen like I don't know if they're like OVAs Or like just cut scenes from the arcade game Or whatever but I've seen like a lot of Longer animated features, uh, with these, in that universe,
1: with these uh, headcanon characters. Yeah, yeah, but uh, tiny Piccolo, tiny, uh, tiny old.
0: Yeah, tiny uh, old Bulma.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> tiny old um, her, her, her grandpa, who's oh fuck, who's the old guy, Roshi. Roshi, holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, tiny old Roshi. Um, Tiny everyone and big giant guy with the Toriyama lips. And he does magic in an evil castle like it's the first movie all over again. Or the whatever the great tree of evil, the Phantom Zone.
0: Oh, Dead Zone? Dead Zone, yeah. Yeah, that was the first movie. But I wouldn't describe garlic jr as having the toriyama lips
1: he does not but he does reside in he is a magical evil guy who resides in a evil castle
0: yeah i guess so i don't it's been a while since i've seen the dead zone uh i used to not really watch the first few dragon ball z movies because um for a long time the only releases of those available i don't know broadly in the u.s but at least to me were with the Ocean Dub cast. Ah, Ocean Dub. And you know, Ocean Dub has its fans, and a lot of people will argue it's the superior dub, but I grew up on the Funimation Dub, so <laughs> when I popped in the Dead Zone DVD, and <laughs> Goku and Piccolo just sounded wrong, I was like, eh. No. But I think the the Funimation crew, has, uh, when they did the Blu-ray release, or possibly before that, Went back and and redid the earlier movies. Redubbed them. So yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe we watch Dead Zone at some point. Maybe over lunch. Who knows? <laughs> um, they said that to me at a dinner. They said that to me at a dinner. All right, that's that's going to wrap up trailer yeah. glad, yeah. glad our Super Speed <laughs> two two trailer or four trailer. That oh, was a five trailer. Yeah. All right, think, things will rebound though. We'll we'll pick up the pace here. Absolutely. As we we dunk on over onto Box Office Mojo to take a look at the...
1: The absolute state of the box office.
0: It's a little stronger than it was last week, but that's that's the ultimate in damning something with faint praise.
1: <laughs> yeah, because we are about to give a spotlight uh, to the number one movie in the box office, which we are going to reveal has a literally middle of the, ra- the rankings rating.
0: Yeah, um so over in, oh IMDB or box office mojo so they uh they're on the trend where it's no longer Columbus Day weekend it's indigenous peoples day weekend which um i know that's the more like the least likely to be offensive term but can't we just call it native peoples weekend or or native weekend or, or yeah. like some sort of celebration of native culture. Indigenous peoples just sounds so corporately whitewashed and sanitized.
1: It's too many syllables. Yeah, it, even Canada, they they got First Peoples. That <laughs> they, I don't
0: t- like the term "peoples." That just seems wrong.
1: I, I listened to. A, I watched a lot of Home Star Runner as a kid, so "peoples" fits perfectly into my vocabulary.
0: The only thing the only time I remember in media hearing the term peoples used was Muppets take Manhattan where the diner owner provided the sage wisdom peoples as peoples. Peoples, peoples. Um, anyway, not, not so much peoples anymore is the exorcist believer, <laughs> uh, which opened in first good for it, but only $28.8 million. But given it's a horror film, uh, Decent chance it didn't cost too much to make. It has brought its gross up to fifty three million, almost fifty four, in the intervening time. But yep. beyond that, it finds itself in our spotlight. Oh, that's interesting. It only opened in thirty six hundred theaters. Uh, the funny story about the—I'll tell a little anecdote about our experience with *The Exorcist: Believer*. Yes. Um, and that's when we went to see—we were going to see *The Creator* in IMAX. Uh, Because there was a more convenient showtime And also because in our heads John David Washington only exists in IMAX um, Even though he was in Black Klansman Which definitely did not come out in IMAX (laughs) Um, But uh, we had waited one day too long to see it And when (laughs) The Exorcist Believer opened on that Friday It kicked it out of IMAX And I was very surprised to see that they had made an IMAX version of this movie because I do not feel that this is a movie that lends itself particularly well to IMAX.
1: Especially after hearing some stuff about this movie.
0: And we're going to hear a lot more about it as we take a look at The Exorcist Believer in our spotlight. It is not being received well, uh, which is not a shock given that the trailer elicited... Oh, it was in front of Oppenheimer. That's where it was. Yes. So it was in front of Oppenheimer. Packed house. Like, most packed theater I've ever been in. Um, or at least since, like, Endgame. Yep. And uh, fucking uproarious laughter at the conclusion of the trailer <laughs> yeah. from the audience, which is, I don't think, what they were going for. Um, And that kind of reflects in some of these ratings here. It's got a 5.1 out of 10 on IMDb, which is... Pretty rough for a movie like this. Twenty-two uh, percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, fifty-nine percent audience score. So not great, and the metascore is thirty-eight Ooh. with a three-point-nine user score. So very closely aligned metascores. You don't see that too often. Uh, that, means, that means it's. But the it consensus very true number <laughs> is that is bad. It ain't good. But we know that those are all professional paid shills. And if you want to get to the bottom of what's going on with a movie, you gotta get down in the muck. You gotta rake up. You gotta dredge the river and rake up the high MVP user reviews because they live. They live in rivers and under bridges and collect tolls from Billy goats.
1: Um, Thrive on a certain type of uh, coniferous fungus. <laughs> uh, Tompkins <laughs> Dillon has a 10 out
0: of 10 review here for The Exorcist Believer. He had a blast, and he titled his review, Had a Blast! Oh, Exclamation mark. Uh, submitted October 7th. First of all, I would like to know how much people are getting paid to badmouth this movie. It seems there is mostly people seeing this pricing. Wait, seeing this pricing? Pricing it apart. <laughs> I think...
1: Th- I think prizing it? like yeah
0: taking it apart i don't know what he was going for but uh mostly people seeing this pricing it apart and trying to compare it to the original me and my friends had a blast watching it we had been seeing horror movie we have been seeing horror movies in 4dx imax and honestly it's the best way to watch a horror movie these days Mm. The movie had some nods to the original but it managed to make a whole new movie in itself. Almost like a sequel.
1: I'm glad it got there.
0: I think the only concerning thing about the movie is how it managed to stretch into a whole how it will manage to stretch into a whole trilogy. Obviously people are more desensitized nowadays given the state of our planet and the fears we all experience <laughs> on the daily. So people really go into these movies expecting to be scared. Uh, capital S, star, star, star-less. But in reality, it's really hard to make a good scary possession movie. There's been so many, but The Exorcist really kicked off the possession horror genre, yeah, back in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I find it best to go into any movie with low expectations that way. You can't be too disappointed, or you might come out pleasantly surprised. This movie got negative remarks before it even came out, and I still have it a chance, so I definitely say go do the same. 6 out of 19 found that helpful. Found that
1: 10 out of 10 review helpful.
0: That's a 10 out of 10 review. Just remember, guys, don't go into movies with with, uh, high expectations and see them in IMAX 40X.
1: That's that's a combination that works. Yeah. Um, Spend your money on stuff that you don't believe will be good. Um, I will... While Kurt sneezes, I'll take this one out of ten uh, From Zed Runner, We have a one out of ten Makes the Pope's Exorcist look like the Exorcist <laughs> Love that title John Boorman can sleep a little easier tonight He is no longer responsible for directing the worst film in the Exorcist franchise <laughs> Why? Why? In the name of God, does DGG bring back Ellen Burstyn just to treat the character of Chris McNeil with such contempt? Uh, Watching this movie, I started to wonder if DGG hates William Friedkin. Uh, That's the level of disrespect on display. Uh, This is the worst film I've seen in some time, and in this day and age, that is saying something. It's one of those movies in which a character, or in this case, three or four characters, stop to tell the audience exactly what is happening on screen more than a bad film it's an enraging one uh the option should exist to award zero stars its existence is a blasphemy minus
0: five stars
1: (laughs) 122 out of 145 found that helpful
0: oof speaking truth to power that guy
1: big moves um and then we have I think this this one's a rare butterfly for me. I'm gonna savor this one from XV84-478-732638. Uh, six out six out of ten. Ignore the review bombers. <laughs> it's not a it's not a bad movie. If you go in expecting it to be like the original or compare this to the original, you're setting yourself up for failure. The original is a classic. Movie. All
0: right, can, just as a brief aside, how is that an excuse for a
1: movie? Like it's not, <laughs> especially one in the same franchise.
0: Yeah, a sequel or a reboot. Like, yes, you should compare it to the original because
1: they're in the that's same. That's the comparison. Continuity. The... <laughs> you put the same name on it. Um, the original is a classic, and the vibe in film is different to this. There's a lot of people review bombing this and comparing it to the original. <laughs> it's miles better than Heretic, Dominion and Beginning. I'm, undec- <laughs> I'm undecided. I'm undecided if I prefer this to the third film after watching the Legion cut, which I remember, I heard Legion was a very good good Exorcist movie.
0: Oh, so that's what
1: that is about. Okay. Yeah. Uh but it's better than the theatrical cut of the third entry as amazing as George C. Scott is. At its core, it's a new movie with very little connection to the original, except it being about possession and Ellen Burstyn returning in a small role.
0: And all the same story beats. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, just, it's just in the same universe and, and a new story. <laughs> the story is quite good and takes a while to build up to the main event. There's not a lot in the way of jump scares to hardcore horror fans. So if being made jump is your sole reason to view this, you may be disappointed. The child actors are brilliant and the same could be said for Leslie Odom jr. Yes. David Gordon Green's last two Halloween movies were below par, but this is a better effort since then. Two out of eight. Found that helpful.
0: Well, uh, I picked this review because it, it doesn't happen often that I see a, uh, 10 out of 10 review. That is a no, I, I see 10 out of 10 reviews that aren't like 10 out of 10 reviews. Uh, but I've never seen one that like absolutely did not like the movie. So I read to you now from the book of Mike McSween, chapter 195, verse 45. Beautiful. Mm-mm. Spoilers! Exclamation mark. DG, DGG needs to be stopped. <laughs> First, he ruins Halloween, which is of course the, with, with two E's, Halloween movie. Like, Ultimately, (laughs) now he comes for the, without argument, the scariest and most important horror film ever made. The first part of the film is very, very promising. Later, when the girls will actually possess, there's little to no demon dialogue. And when there is demon dialogue, it is almost muted with loud and annoying, stereotypical Blumhouse horror movie jump scare sound effects. (laughs) There's a line delivered by Catherine... Are you looking for your cunting daughter? Question mark. This annoyed me as the word cunting is not a word that is used or probably ever used for the original movie. It was used to taunt Chris when Reagan spoke in Burke Denning's voice. It is a curse he used regularly. The only saving grace is the two young girls acting, but they make it very clear in my opinion which girl dies from the very beginning. Race, in my opinion, is always a factor. Fear of killing off a black character in case there's up for her. We see hella character development between Angela and her father, but none between Catherine and her family. We basically see she has a mother and two younger siblings and a useless, crappy actor as a father. And that's it. I'm very annoyed that the majority of what we saw in promotional work was not shown on screen. Catherine and Angela at church together, Catherine pulling her hair out, Catherine sitting at the dining table with her mother well-possessed, and the demon itself, exclamation mark. The word mother on Angela's wall wall in feces. Yeah, it's a shame that was cut. I can't help but think if they actually cared about this film and its legacy, they would find a better director and distributor. One last thing I'll say is I found it unfair there's no memorial at the end for William Friedkin or William Blady. They have built the foundation for your garbage, David Gordon Green and Jason (laughs) Blum, so show them some respect. Ellen has around five minutes of screen time, and Linda has one frame. WHT, more can I say question mark One <laughs> if i found that helpful but honestly i think that's one of the most helpful reviews i've ever read it's a 10 out of 10 review <laughs> maybe that's what he was rating he was rating the quality his of his review, review not the quality of the film <laughs> that makes like a lot of sense mindset. uh exorcist believer i don't know why i read that we know what movie we're talking about <laughs> strange sleep here bringing uh pretty much the same perspective, but in the opposite <laughs> ending of the rating from The power of Christ couldn't save this movie. <laughs> Watching this movie is like undergoing a two-hour exorcism through boredom. What started out as mildly intriguing, albeit unimaginative, premise, devolves into a silly silly, hollow variation of the original, throwing a generous serving of detritus and mm-hmm. Effluvia? I'm not familiar with these terms.
1: Uh, it's kind of like effluence, so stream of crap. I see.
0: A touch of CGI and a disorganized multi-faith ritual, and you're <laughs> done. <laughs> I started looking at my watch about 30 minutes to calculate how much more tedium remained. Even the demon, Pazuzu, was nowhere near as entertaining as I the original. Damn
1: Pazuzu.
0: <laughs> yes, there is... The requisite foul language. But Pazuzu was also snide and sarcastic. Um, ellipses. There's nothing like, your mother's in here with us, Karis. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it. That's the quote. I was patiently waiting for some e- something equally as clever and rude demonic quips, but there were none to be had. The Exorcist is a masterpiece of cinema, horror otherwise. It's been done move on (laughs) 25 out of 29 helpful. that's good
1: um and finally from chapel of blood uh four out of ten dumpster fire we live in a world where a new saw film and a new exorcist film came out in the last two weeks and somehow the saw film is better (laughs) a lot better the first 45-ish minutes weren't bad and had me wondering why so many people were bashing the flick. Then the rest of it happened. <laughs> it's an overly preachy CGI heavy mess CGI heavy mess of a movie. I won't mention anything specific, not seen in the trailers. and with that said, everything with Chris McNeil is forced in there just to give her uh, give this ties to the first. There's no real reason behind her being there and they didn't know how to make her presence organic. I don't honestly feel there is a way to make her being there make sense. Uh, The girls were good, but didn't get to do much. They they were in no way given the heavy lifting Linda Blair was given in the original. And the CGI. Jesus, the CGI. (laughs) Why was it there? Uh, End of review. I see. 26 out of 35. Well, there you have it.
0: Nexus is believer. Not even all the 10 stars are positive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who knows? the the reviews are cursed <laughs> they're possessed
0: we're all yeah. we're all how deep does this go uh in second we have Paw Patrol the mighty movie bringing another 13.6 million dollars mm. um that brings it's total worldwide gross to a uh somewhat underwhelming 91 million dollars I forget how much the uh the first Paw Patrol movie made
1: I do not know
0: um let me see. Saw in third with $8.8 million in just over 3,200 theaters. Good enough to bring its worldwide gross to f- just about $60 million, 59.5. Uh, the Creator continues taking it on the chin yep. with uh, only a $7.2 million weekend for its second week uh bringing its domestic or sorry it's worldwide total to 65 million dollars which is uh still a 15 million dollar shortfall of its uh 80 million dollar budget so well it might not hemorrhage money for disney it is uh, unlikely to make any
1: is a deep cut a bleeding wound
0: the blind uh, remain was it in fifth last week. I don't care. It's in fifth this week. Yeah, uh, three point six two million dollars in just over thirteen hundred theaters. So pretty decent. Uh, it's made eleven million dollars uh, to all domestic. Uh, so for a two week fathom event that's only playing in thirteen hundred theaters, that's not too bad. Yeah, A Haunting okay. in Venice finds itself in six with three point one one eight million dollars. Uh, total worldwide gross up to $104 million for that one. The Nun 2 hanging out in the top 10. $2.9 million for the Nun 2. Um, bringing its total worldwide gross to $249.8 million. So that's going to make a quarter bill.
1: That is insane.
0: Yeah, dumb money uh, brings up the rear here uh, with 2.4. Million dollars in 2,800 theaters, total worldwide gross of 13.7 million dollars. Uh, but its widest release, well, it's in its widest release now, and it's still not even in 3,000 theaters. So, um, they didn't push this super heavily. Uh, Equalizer 3, I think, back in the top 10. I think it was out last week, but now it's back. Mm-hmm. Um, two point oh five eight million in fifteen hundred theaters, bringing its total worldwide to, hundred sixty eight. Yeah, barely beating out Hocus Pocus thirtieth anniversary re release, Oh which in fourteen hundred theaters brought in one point eight seven. Now,
1: how many weeks has that been in theaters?
0: This, it opened this week.
1: Okay, so um, you know how we were saying that we were it, we were gonna <laughs> start seeing re releases and anniversary editions. Yeah. of everything now that um, the box office is going to start running dry here. Um, well, Ta-da. Here have it. uh When's the next Star Wars anniversary? So we'll get to see... Um, we'll get to see episode 2 in 3D this time.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. 1999 was Phantom Menace. So that would be 25-year anniversary next year of the Phantom Menace.
1: Oh, boy. They'll release it early. No one will know. Oh, remember when it came out?
0: My God, could you imagine paying money to see the Phantom Menace?
1: Nope, I only paid money for the Podracer sippy cup because I was
0: had the commemorative Five plate. years old. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I didn't like it as a child mm-hmm. because it was more Star Wars and. You was, know, I wasn't super discerning about quality at that age.
1: Bright colors and lightsabers.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of lightsaber fights, which was the measure of a good Star Wars movie for me at that age.
1: And and Jabba the Hutt went, <laughs> And my little kid, Brian, was like, ah.
0: I know who Dad is.
1: He made the sound.
0: Um, yeah, and then... Right. Uh,
1: take your kids to go see... Uh, Phantom Menace this There day. were a
0: couple scenes I really liked in Attack of the Clones when it came out. Um, I was I was big excited when Yoda finally got into the fray there. Yes. Even as an adult now, I realize that that's pretty dumb and goes against a lot of the foundations of his character. Uh, as kid, like, but oh. as a kid, I was like, oh my God, he's jumping around. He's got a shorter lightsaber that's sized appropriately <laughs> for him.
1: I remember... Um... We used to take the bulb out of one of our fla- like big Maglite flashlights, and it, had, it it was a little it was a bulb with a little tiny screw on it. We we're like, oh, it's Yoda's lightsaber. I <laughs>
0: I had a short green lightsaber around here somewhere. Um, I I used to have a lot of lightsaber toys. Um, I have fewer now. I have only the quality ones have lasted this long. Uh, but I I abused the fuck out of them. I broke a lot of them. Because you know plastic gets brittle as it ages, and
1: yes. and translucent plastic when you
0: whack when you're uh, whacking other kids' lightsabers really hard, <laughs> eventually they break.
1: Yep, and then you then you move on to the grown-up lightsabers where they start charging at three hundred dollars for a
0: my my buddy Nick had a uh, I think it was the Force FX line, and it was built to the original spec of the props, mm-hmm. so they had a really really skinny. Uh, blade and it didn't retract or anything right. um but like the the hilt was very high quality was made of like real metal and shit um i never bought i might now that i have big boy money i should see if those are still sold <laughs> find a place to like start the mounted uh,
1: you can start the shelf yeah well i mean if you start you have you have a little bit of a shelf going i see behind you there but um, yeah, you can turn it into a proper nerd shelf. Get the RGB lighting, get the cubes.
0: Yeah, I've got uh, I've got three Funko pops. I have bought none of them. Uh, <laughs> the Undertaker and Jake Roberts Funko pops were giving to me as a Christmas gift for Jake, and I have uh, six autograph baseballs and one fake autograph baseball commemorating the hundredth anniversary of. I don't know if it's Babe Ruth's birthday or his MLB debut. Um, something like that. Something yeah. like that. So it has uh, a Babe Ruth rel- replica signature on it, um, and that's that's my shelf right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll get we'll get you a replica of the ring. <laughs> get you one of the of uh, the sword will get you a bunch of Doctor Who memorabilia, because I know you love that show, and you always watch it all the time. I've
0: I've seen so many episodes of Doctor Who.
1: (laughs) I remember when I was a kid, I was like, so when are they going to tell us, when are they going to say Doctor Who? When are they going to call him Doctor Who?
0: When are we going to find out who this Doctor is?
1: (laughs) I was sorely disappointed when I learned that, no, he's just the Doctor.
0: Yeah, I don't...
1: And then I saw the giant uh, lady who got turned into a face. She goes, "Moisturize me, moisturize me." Yeah,
0: I'm. Uh, I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who, and um, I don't think I want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: probably for the.
0: Best. I don't think it's something I would I would get into, to be honest. Um,
1: there's, there's. I
0: am one. nerdy, but there's different flavors of nerd. <laughs>
1: it was very like as a kid, again,
0: I'm the nerdy as- kind of guy who spends, uh, almost $400 on kickstarters for power Rangers anniversary comics. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I watched it at an age again, this kind of a similar age to like the clone wars where I was like, yeah, yo, he's got a lightsaber for those same reasons. I was very baffled as to why this time traveling space doctor adventurer had no weapon or any means to really defend himself. Yeah, that
0: uh, seemed strange.
1: strange. Yeah, the sonic screwdriver and psychic paper.
0: I thought he had, like, some sort of, like, little phaser thing.
1: He had a screwdriver which could, like, do Batman gadget things.
0: My my knowledge of Doctor Who uh, is entirely based on the character of Inspector Space Time from the television show Community. <laughs> <laughs> I...
1: I Have not watched Community.
0: Community is great. Definitely should watch it. Um, or at least like the first three seasons are really some of the best television. And then Mm -hmm. fourth season's a little weaker, and then the fifth season's good again. Then they did a sixth season on Yahoo, which uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Mm, Yeah.
0: I haven't seen that in a while, but well, anyway, let's let's move off the box office here in Doctor Who into and talk some gaming news.
1: Games, right? Yeah. Quick,
0: um, quick little little gaming news segment here. Uh, it's happening, folks. Microsoft has closed its sixty-nine billion dollar nice. acquisition of Activision Blizzard, which gives it rights to franchises such as call of duty warcraft candy crush and many other cash cows um what does this mean for the future of those titles on non-microsoft platforms who knows um i would be yeah. surprised to see if they make uh, like cod exclusive to xbox because um you know that seems like a game you'd want the widest possible player base for but they did make uh Starfield PC and Xbox mm-hmm. exclusive so who knows or maybe maybe it'll be timed exclusivity i don't know if starfield's ever going to come to the ps5 i have not researched that cuz yeah, i don't I... own a ps5 <laughs>
1: <laughs> never been important to me um yeah like it's it is going to be very interesting i i really don't know it's uncharted territory. I don't know of any, any beloved franchises on this list that I would be, that should be like, oh, man, this is going to be really important. Like, important to me. Um, Maybe we'll get Lo- a uh, Starcraft. The Lost Vikings. All right. You know what? It'll all be worth it if uh, Microsoft makes another Lost Vikings game. <laughs> because Uh-oh. that game was dope as hell.
0: Yeah, so they have a lot of potential here, you know. Overwatch is
1: Starcraft. under that,
0: right? Starcraft. So here's a here's a graphic here of Xbox and all the studios that they have under their umbrella now. So they have Xbox Game Studios, which includes Three Four Three Industries, which obviously is responsible for ruining Halo and <laughs> other things in exile uh which made clockwork revolution wasteland obsidian entertainment uh which well known for a lot of quality games yep uh the coalition oh wait, they own obsidian and Bethesda, <laughs> give them fallout back, give them.
1: Fucking merge, like, take the best parts of each. Merge them together. Come on, boys. Take whatever
0: Fallout team from uh, Bethesda Game Studios and then merge them with Obsidian. They and don't let have them to fight anymore. The
1: If they want to, if they have agreements after putting them back together, Obsidian can just leave even more.
0: Obsidian... <laughs>
1: can leave harder.
0: Just, just let Obsidian do what they want to do because they've... They've made the best Fallout in yes. Bethesda's engine. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so, it's good to know that you own both sides. So I always
0: Compulsion, of of Warcraft.
1: They own World of Warcraft.
0: Yeah. Uh, Psychonauts, Sea of Feet, Rare. Oh, yeah, Rare. I forget that Rare is still a thing.
1: Yep, they own all of Rare.
0: Uh, yeah, Bethesda Game Studios, obviously. Starfield, of Fuel, Fallout. Id. Uh... Machine games, Arcane, Zenimax, so many. Roadhouse, uh, Treyarch, Infinity Ward, Sludgehammer, now, yep. Uh High Moon, which uh, is another Call of Duty studio, I guess. Partial <laughs> Call of Duty, uh, partial Call of Duty support, plus potentially developing in-house games. Benox, oh man,
1: yep, Benox. I think Ravens in there.
0: Uh Yes, Ravensoft, um, Digital Legends, Demonware, uh, Activision Shanghai, Solid State Studios, um, other shit, and then all Blizzard stuff. And now King Games, which uh, is Candy Crush Mobile IP. That's where the real money is. <laughs>
1: That's That is literally, that was probably a majority of the valuation of that purchase.
0: Honestly, yeah. Um so yeah like Game Pass subscriptions about to go off.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, how how will Microsoft monetize this?
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. That's thing is Microsoft keeps acquiring all these studios but they're not getting quality exclusives out of them. Yeah. Like Sony Sony seems to do a better job. I don't know if it's like a different in, difference in management philosophy or whatever the case is, but Sony seems to do a much better job of letting studios cook and getting really solid exclusive titles Rady out stuff, of it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, on Xbox they they've bought a lot of good studios, but they're getting shit like Redfall and just
1: yeah. super risk averse, honestly. Like again, you have these studios who are known for making these like indie not indie, but like cult classic stuff. Um, these really popular games with their audience, where you could market to a specific audience and get a very strong response from them. But you want to direct all these, you want to be in control of all these studios and then make them do the, the safest shit possible. Like, you can't give a little bit of your portfolio and have, like, I don't know, I just keep thinking of Raven, like, have Raven go make another like thief game
0: yeah it's just it's so strange to me that you're it's so weird because like stuff like redfall i mean it didn't seem like it had too much of a troubled development insofar as like there was a lot of meddling and interference from microsoft they just couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with the game and release something really half baked. And like I I just don't understand why all this that, that seems to keep happening to to Microsoft and the studios they own. I mean, Starfield I'm still working on my Starfield review, but I I'm kinda at a point now with Starfield where it's like I I enjoy playing Starfield but I don't know that I can really say that it's a good game.
1: Yeah, I think the prevailing thing right now is um, that people are running out of steam um, playing it. Like, they're hitting the content uh, plateau, which kind of reminds me of um, Animal Crossing, the new one that came out, that everyone... But that was partially because that was a, a daily... A short game you played... Uh, once a day or whatever that people crammed into their uh, lockdown time. but this is this is not that kind of situation.
0: Yeah Bethesda has gone on record saying that they anticipate they they designed Starfield around the idea of players playing it for a long time, like Skyrim. And like there's there's content and things to do, but it, it is kind of like mild wide inch deep. Um, Where there's a lot of stuff to do But the basics of what you're doing Is the same There's just a lot of it to do And mm-hmm. I haven't like finished all the quest li- Major quest lines and stuff And like there's there's a lot of fun to be Like I personally have had a lot of fun Like becoming a resource tycoon And managing my outposts And, and yeah. stuff like that And you know There's not a whole lot of mod support For it just yet I think full mod support's coming next year and then the game's gonna take off there, but you know yeah. the, you can make that criticism like it shouldn't have to be, you know, it's like
1: Bethesda's game.
0: Yeah, they should, and I feel like they put out a fairly decent game, but like it, it feels very risk adverse, kind of like what you're saying. It's it's very much in the style of Fallout 4 and Skyrim. Um, You know, it uses a lot of the same systems that carried over a lot of outpost shit from and settlement building ideas from Fallout 4 with very little like development or or changes from their main formula. I think it works. So I enjoy Starfield, I think, largely because I it's similar to Cyberpunk, right, where I didn't Mm -hmm. get super swept up in the pre-release hype. Like I was like, okay, this game's coming out. Um, interesting setting developer that's made games I've liked previously looking forward to this and that was about it I didn't like read up oh it's gonna have X Y or Z
1: feature change the face of gaming
0: and like hype it up to X levels of expectation that are unreasonable and there are some valid critiques of Starfield but some stuff is like really unreasonable like you know, people complain, oh, you can't fly your ship to other systems uh, without fast traveling uh, in a cutscene. It's like, do you really want to do that? Like, is it fair to expect that on top of all the other gameplay systems that Bethesda introduced for this game, that they would make to expect that you can fly your I want to be able to fly my ship to a different system, but it can't be boring. It has to be, <laughs> you know, fun game mechanic and that I can do for hours and hours. On. It's just, like, unreal. I feel just like
1: go play game, no man's guy, game go criticism
0: play. these days, it feels more and more entitled. And, like, I understand technology is advancing and we you know, rightfully can expect more from games, but, like, there's a, there's a level of ridiculousness to some of the criticism I've seen of Starfield in I, particular.
1: Yeah. I think people just wanted I feel like people just wanted the No Man's Sky space experience.
0: It is very similar to No uh, Man's Sky. It's kind of, That's why Starfield's a really weird game for me to review because I enjoy I enjoy it, but like it runs counter my the fact that I enjoy it runs counter to a lot of things I've said over the years. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really love No Man's Sky. And there's a lot of systems that are very similar to No Man's Sky in <laughs> Starfield that I kind of enjoy playing around with. I didn't like Skyrim, and I especially did not like Fallout 4's leveling system. And a lot of those elements are in there too. But I think just because it's a new IP, especially with the... Yeah, I think it's largely that it's a new IP, and it doesn't carry with it the weight of the previous entries. Like mm-hmm. Fallout 4 is not a terrible game, but it's a bad Fallout game. Um, right. And Skyrim took the Elder Scrolls in a direction that I didn't really enjoy. But Starfield doesn't have that baggage. So I think that's that's why I'm able to kind of like look past some of these things. And yes, it is very safe. It doesn't. It's not a revolutionary experience. There's times in Starfield where it feels like, yes, this is a truly next gen experience, but there are other times where it feels like, yeah, I've been here before.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. I think it really falls in like a seems really. The more I hear about it, just falls in that six seven out of ten kind of category. I
0: think that's fair. It's a it's a it's a seven out of ten that I really enjoy,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. and it has the curse of having to live. In the shadow of um, some very successful games, yeah, which people have have really connected with. Um, speaking of living in shadow <laughs> of uh, something people connected with, Nintendo has revealed the new Mario voice actor. Um, oh boy, buddy, I did not envy you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Charles Martinet, of course, is becoming the. Mario brand ambassador, a, a title of which he wasn't even sure what it was when he was given that.
0: Well, it's uh, it's Nintendo's way of saying, we don't want to employ you as a voice actor anymore, but the backlash of firing you would be too we, extreme.
1: We are a Japanese company, and as as such, uh, do not know how to fire you. So we will put you in a corner, and when you feel ready, you will, you be, will quit.
0: You will be given a figurehead position? And uh you will receive a paycheck and there will be if you get bored of that, you will leave. <laughs> yeah.
1: That is that is the Japanese uh employment way. And then you could say, Oh, we have a very low fire rate. We we keep everything our turnover or our staff retention rate is very good. <laughs> um, so with him out, we have um the so the new voice actor is going to start with Mario Wonder. Um And, uh, we have our new voice actor, Kevin Afghani. Uh, he was, he celebrated the news with a tweet about how he's excited to voice Mario and Luigi, uh, in Mario, Super Mario Wonder. He was, his credits include Arnold in Genshin Impact, Raditz in Dragon Ball R&R, um, and short Detective General and Grunt in The Secret History of Cuphead Shorts. So, pretty small list of you know some high profile he's newer uh, characters but um still a a career with a lot of room to grow so obviously having picked this role or having been selected for this role if he chooses it he will be in for the long haul um i mean this is the kind of gig where i mean judging from uh chucky m's (laughs) uh tenure it was gonna be it's a lifetime appointment
0: yeah um Obviously, you know, it makes sense that he'd be thrilled to have this opportunity because, you know, you're getting a chance to voice the video game character. You know, I don't think any character in gaming has more mainstream recognition than Mario. And one guy's been doing the voice for pretty much the entire time. And it's interesting to see if if he's going to like just assume all of Charles Martinet's roles uh you know cuz he did Waluigi and I think even Wario too.
1: Mm-hmm. Um I I would I could imagine that. Um
0: I think he'll do fine the the voices are fairly imitatable. Mm-hmm. Um
1: Every, everyone's done it. <laughs> um
0: I don't think we'll notice too much of a difference. Kind of like when they replaced Tim Daly with George Newberg uh, in Justice League for the voice of Superman. You're like, it's a little different, but it's close enough. (laughs)
1: Um, As a weird uh, portent, which I don't think Nintendo would have to worry about, um, but something to keep in mind, I really hope for his sake, for Kevin's sake, uh, that Mario Wonder does well. Because uh, from a Sonic fan, from, from a sonic uh historian <laughs> um, when a voice actor changes into after a um a, dec- a decline in quality of games um it creates a bad Pavlovian response
0: yeah I think people I feel like people uh enjoyed the the newer voice of Sonic um, I see I see
1: that Oh, who is the I? I gotta I because kind of dancing around the names because I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, because who is who is uh, Sonic's voice in Sonic Adventure One? Looking that up now. As I ask, as from the perspective of the the self proclaimed Sonic historian.
0: Yeah. Um. I I think they made the switch around. Um. Sonic uh, Unleashed. I want to say. Okay. Um, no, that's the Japanese voice cast.
1: Um, Adventure, Ryan Drummond was the okay. new voice, the new voice of Sonic. Mm, he
0: was in, I, I in Venture 2. I think the guy, yeah, he's in Venture 2. Oh,
1: no, he was okay, yeah.
0: Who the name? new guy? I think he has like three names. I want to say,
1: oh, I so I'm not talking about the guy who was in Frontiers. Or, I was talking about the transition from... No, no, I'm not talking about the guy... I think okay. the guy in
0: Frontier is the same guy who did Generations and all that shit, too.
1: Uh, okay. Uh,
0: Generations, voice actors. Roger Craig Smith.
1: Roger Craig Smith,
0: yes. Um, I feel like people I are more positive on him than Ryan Drummond, or at least I hear his name mentioned more by the community.
1: I see. I I've seen a lot of... I've seen a couple media uh essays talking about how that was a very upsetting time for Oh, it
0: was certainly no one no one likes change, right? So mm-hmm. like you people will have a negative reaction to change simply because it's change. Yeah. But I think as time has worn on and he's done more games, uh the consensus has kind of shifted to that he's the superior voice actor for Sonic. Right. Now I think some of that has to do with dialogue being more important in some of the games he's vo- done the voice work for, and uh, just like some of the weirdness of Sonic Adventures voice acting mm-hmm. in yeah. general.
1: That was that that was made during a time when voice acting was still a novel concept, it's a to, relatively new to console thing. Generations, yeah. Um, but you know, I there's like people who like. I, I know. I think when when uh, Brawl came out, there was a petition to get to get Ryan like they there was a petition to get Ryan Drummond to do the voice instead of. Well, that would have been right around
0: when the transition happened, right? Because it was I I want to say it was around Sonic Unleashed, which came out in two thousand eight, which is the same year Brawl came out. Okay. So I can. I can see that. That makes a lot of sense why there'd be a petition to get him back at that time. It, you know, it's like all things, you know, the change is is upsetting at first. You know, you're used to it like I mean Ryan Drummond was the voice of Sonic of my my childhood. Um,
1: hey, where you going?
0: But uh I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he his performance was so dynamic. <laughs> that it couldn't be replicated. <laughs> yeah.
1: Nor that it would change or that it was uh, correlated in any way to the quality of the game itself.
0: Honestly, like like with all things, more important than who's doing the voice is who's writing the lines. Right. Um. You know, if the writing's good, they're all professional voice actors. They're going to be able to, like, deliver the dialogue convincingly. And, mm-hmm. you know, for in the, the the heyday of Sonic he didn't have a voice so i don't i don't feel like there's this deep rooted uh connection i think um where where the guy who is replacing Charles Martinet is going to have trouble is that there's a lot more history of him being the voice of Mario like at least going back to uh Super Mario 64 which was came out in 1996 so so that's like literally a lifetime for a lot of people mm-hmm. um so the a lot more cachet than like ninety eight to two thousand eight ten years of mm-hmm. Ryan Drummond as as the voice of Sonic and now we've we've passed the inflection point where Roger Craig Smith's been doing it longer, yeah. Um, but that's not going to be the case for a long while with this guy. Yeah,
1: and I guess uh, back to the, kind of wrapping up my point here. Like, if Mario Wonder is a good game, um, then they can dodge what would the argument be is Because if Mario Wonder is not a good game, you'll have a big seg... Like, that might be an impetus for a segment of the Nintendo fanboys to be like, uh, Mario's going downhill. Wonder was bad. They, they brought in the new voice actor for Mario, and he was in that, and that was a bad game. You know? And I don't think that will happen, because Nintendo has, at least has a strong quality control
0: they have a strong especially with mario like they usually don't put out a mario game unless it's like there the last mario game that i can remember being a little divisive in terms of is it good is it not so good is sunshine and i think that's just a lot of people well is mario Mario, sunshine was not uh two well i'm thinking like 3d mario right okay so you know mario sixty four unquestioned masterpiece. everyone loved that. Mm-hmm. Super Mario Sunshine is the Gamecube follow up they they swerved a little hard with with the gameplay mechanic changes. Not everyone liked them. I think as time has worn on, there's been a greater appreciation for Super Mario Sunshine, but at the time and still to this day it's it's a it's a far more divisive title compared to. 64 galaxy galaxy two and odyssey like mm-hmm. those ones are almost all universally praised and sunshine it's not like people hated it it's just that, like i'm not sure how i feel about this whole flood thing yeah um so i'm i'd be surprised especially after how good odyssey oh. was if Wonder is a big letdown.
1: Right. Though we should uh, point a distinction. Uh, Wonder is not one of these 3D games. Oh, it's not? Okay. No, it's a that. 2D uh, New Super Mario Bros. style game. Um, So it is competing against stuff like New Super Mario Bros. 2 where you got a gajillion gold coins. and. Uh, oh, that's right. I remember the trailer for this now. Yes, this is Mario as the Wowie. Mario turns into an elephant. Um, Mario does drugs mm-hmm. and goes into Wonder World. Yeah, there's
0: there's a weird amount of like voice work in this, but for for the most part, especially with a 2D, I don't think the voice actor is going to be too noticeable. Um, and you know, I think worst case scenario, they could probably just reuse voice clips yeah. of. Martinet for it's a lot of the heavy lifting,
1: but uh Kevin gets to go wowie zowie,
0: yeah, uh, best of luck, friend um I'm sure you'll do just fine, uh, Mario's never been a
1: character who uh spoke a lot, yeah. so the the Yahoo has not made or made or broke a Mario game as
0: long as as long as you don't sound. Bootleg, super different. I'm sure you'll yeah. be fine. Wahoo! Wahoo! <laughs> well, I that would be a great Mario power up. Buff Mario. <laughs> I, want, I want. I want. I uh, want. I want like Guido Mario. Like wahoo, eh? <laughs> hey, wahoo! Hey, oh. <laughs> really, really drive home the Italian hey, part hey, of Italian plumber. I'm jumping. here hey, I'm walking. Here. <laughs>
1: Christopher Walken. And don't Mario. call me
0: Jumpman for nothing, that eh? <laughs>
1: Christopher Wario. Christopher. Hey, the princess. I beach. like
0: the gold. Oh no, Christopher Walken as Toad. Your princess. It's another castle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it, I just want the little Chris Walken head on the on the Toad body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. It's no, it's yeah, he's got the like big mushroom cap still. It's just Christopher Walken face, and he just
1: he adjusts it a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, Mario,
0: Mario, your princess, she's in another castle, gonna have to go to World Four.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You just reminded me that we're gonna get Emperor Christopher Walken, (laughs) Fadisha,
0: eventually. (laughs) The movie's been delayed again. It was coming out in next. It was originally coming out in November, but now it's pushed to next year. Yep,
1: which probably for the best.
0: Um. Well, yeah, probably. I, I mean, don't. I don't know exactly how the strike is infecting Dune Two because I got to imagine they're done filming it. Yeah. And they're in the like, edit stage. So
1: imagine taking the risk of making Dune One right because they made it without having it be officially green lighted. Uh, so there was some risk there, even if you kind of could predict that like, okay, it's going to make bank and they're going to make a, they're going to green light the Dune too. But you still have worry about that. And it finally gets through you're like, all right, cool. That risk paid off. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> something we could not have predicted.
0: Well, I think well, everyone should have been able to predict it because everyone knew the end date of the current contracts. And that no new collective bargaining had begun. <laughs>
1: right. Maybe it was, uh, you know, you had to do it to hit the timing window.
0: Although I think a lot of the issues, a good chunk of the issue um, with the the actors strike now and the writers strike too was AI, which mm-hmm. has kind of come on very recently.
1: Which is also an important part of Dune.
0: As it turns out, yeah.
1: So we'll feed. What we'll do is we'll feed the writers copious amounts of drugs until they get into a trance, and then they can uh, write these scripts. They gotta,
0: they gotta spice out. See, see the Benjergazy. <laughs> it's
1: a writer's room. Everyone's eyes are just blue. Wow. And it's and it's the David Lynch internal monologue whisper. <laughs>
0: the the war with Grandpa too. I must make it. I mean, honestly, why not? It's one of the. It's got to have a record or be in the the top yeah. ten for most weeks in the top ten at the box <laughs> office.
1: The Exorcist sequels must flow.
0: <laughs> DGG must, must continue his work. The Groom
1: Lake remake.
0: It's <laughs> about us. Yeah, speaking of of Groom Lake, I guess now's the time to talk about Groom Lake.
1: We're Gonna talk about Groom Lake. What the fuck was this
0: movie? So this is this is a my cupola here. Um, I was the one who suggested Groom Lake, uh, large, based on a one second clip of it, yeah, uh, that I saw in a, a bad Which, movie Bible video. In
1: context, that that moment is hilarious. Oh, it's
0: fucking great.
1: It's unhinged.
0: There's this movie has some very high peaks. But, some low valleys low and very wide valleys, yes. like a lot of this movie just doesn't work, and I'm still not entirely sure what it's about
1: um yeah. i we will talk about it, and I can tell you what it's what William Shatner wants it to be about,
0: so in broad strokes, there's this girl, Kate, um. And she's got aggressive lupus. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A very aggressive form of lupus, which I don't know if that's terminology that's commonly used uh, when talking about lupus, but she's got at most months to live. Uh, So her and her boyfriend head out to Groom Lake for reasons that aren't ever like explicitly explained. It's implied that she's there to see an alien. Yeah. She's a believer and she wants to do that before she dies, which is fine. And like it, it, it's not you can without just doing straight exposition, dump dialogue, uh, establish that like mm. there's a scene where they're in town and they're at the waitress. And, you know, since they're so close to Area 51, they're all into aliens, into aliens and aliens, UFOs yeah. and the waitress is very into aliens and UFOs. And she's like. Oh, you believers, and you could have just had Kate go, yeah, and and you know I, we came out here hoping to see one. That's it. But she doesn't say that. She just mentions that her boyfriend's a skeptic. Yeah. Uh, which that's, I guess the implication important. is that yeah. she's not, and you know that would be why they're out here. But they don't ever describe it. You could have easily been like, oh, they're out here because there's a doctor out here who who has a, maybe mm-hmm. a treatment that could extend her life. They don't make clear mission statement for them, and they're I guess they do have
1: a lovely vision sequence (laughs) of her like inexplicably in the middle of like this introduction montage of them having fun driving through the desert, (laughs) and it just intercuts with her in like a white dress in like the white void.
0: Oh my god, that fucking shit was (laughs) so poorly done. I
1: want to die.
0: So like, just shoving aside any deficiencies with the writing and acting for a moment in that scene. Um, The way they did the flashbacks has got to be the worst way to do flashbacks that I've ever seen. They they layered the footage over the footage of them driving, and I don't know what composition slider they selected in After Effects, but it was not the right one because it was just completely blown out and unwatchable. And like you yeah. couldn't make out anything except the trees running yeah. through the background. The
1: fact that everyone's faces was were darker than the background of the white void means that, as anyone who's put their head up to a reflective window <laughs> will know, that darker surfaces will uh, be more transparent. Uh, so you got clips of her face right in front of the screen, um, as there's a there's a jeep running behind her face and and trees going from- which. Uh, side note: A lovely uh, film theme or um, filmography theme that runs through this movie is characters way too close to the camera.
0: Oh my god! There's a shot. What? There's the scene where they're at the diner for the first time. They're filming the waitress from the worst possible angle. It's like a tight close up with the camera, like the the yaw of the camera, or yep. the pitch rather pitches up and down the pitch of the camera is like negative 17 degrees or something so you're looking straight up her fucking nose yes for no good goddamn reason
1: yes and a that's lot of the nose. shot they use for all the fucking dialogue she has in the scene yes <laughs> there's a lot of up-nose shots it's, it is uh, a little a little disconcerting. on a
0: technical level which surprises me the most about this because william shatner i know he didn't have a lot of money but he has connections right like, he
1: got Dick Van Patten in on this thing.
0: He's a real, a lot of, he got a lot of like actors who have done a lot of like stuff. Yeah. Like there are real actors and actresses in this movie who have done stuff and have had a reasonable amount of acclaim.
1: Yeah. Um, they are doing shit on favors to him for this But movie. he couldn't
0: call in a favor for an editor. Like even someone who just used to work on Star Trek be like, hey, I've got this project. You want? Can you help me out with it? Yeah. Like, just on a technical I, filmmaking level this movie fails so unexpectedly hard because this isn't his like directorial debut he directed like the last two or three star trek movies
1: yeah um i think his wife helped him out with the editing on this so now let's we'll talk uh, we'll talk a little bit before we get into this um so you can keep this in mind as you're um we're discussing what happens in this movie um so he Made this movie as a tribute to his first wife, his late first wife, and to his second wife's late husband, because they both died of illnesses. And it was he wanted the movie to be about um, finding meaning in in our lives and finding meaning beyond our death. And that's why the movie is dedicated to those two people. Um, so he's
0: that's that's a noble goal. Don't think he quite nailed
1: it. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how that's why he was like, so that's how I got all these favors in and why I really want to use myself to promote this movie Um, because half of it, he's talking very like reverently about his mission statement for this movie. And the other half, he is like, man, it's great to hear William Shatner talk. (laughs) Let me just say, like, I would sit by a fire in a San Francisco patio uh, and drink whiskey while he spins yarns because oh, he will spit he will spin that bullshit right in your face with such eloquence. Like I get why he had a successful one man show on Broadway. He's a
0: tremendous speaker. Yeah. Like no one will ever argue that. And as so, as poorly written as the dialogue is in this movie, when Shatner's on screen, like, you know, it's like, yes, it, there's a movie star here, and yes. he's he's doing movie star things,
1: delivering competent lines, yeah, so he's telling, but he like he's also telling about how much of a shit like how he's very candid about how much of a shit show this was. He's like, yeah, the first Star Trek movie had like fifty sixty million dollars. we didn't have that <laughs> we had about five million, so I learned. So I took inspiration five
0: million and they shot it on fucking video. Yeah. Like this movie's shot on video. So it it, it runs at twenty nine point nine seven frames per second, which is a look I haven't seen in a long time. Even longer since I've seen it in a movie that I myself did not make.
1: Yes. <laughs> it is it is a bad look. Um it's like so I took I took inspiration from the Cormans who who helped me out with a lot of movies. Um, for those who don't know, Rod, uh, Roger and I guess he had a brother. I only think of Roger when I think of the Cormans. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll look at um, his brother's name. when we're...
1: we're infamous for making really cheesy, low budget movies. Uh, Cannon Films were their were their studio, and boy howdy, were they masters of their crappy craft. Um, yeah, so he was telling us like one of the stories he tells was specifically about the getting those aerial shots, which for two thousand two. You couldn't get a drone.
0: Yeah, if we didn't have drones. Yeah, so you had
1: to—he was telling you, like, you had to hire, a, you had to get a helicopter, and they had one day of That's filming. All the so, budget went. <laughs> yeah, so they set up. He said they set up four tracks simultaneously to film all the road scenes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and had two crews: one who is responsible for tracks one and three and the other for 2 and 4. And they just had the the helicopter do one perpendicular pass over all four. <laughs> so as they finished the one scene, they would get out and they would drive Team number 1 would drive to set number 3 and 2 to 4. <laughs> and they were tr- and he was like at the end of it, uh, I was looking up and oh my god, the helicopter's going the wrong way. So we round up everyone we go and we go and we go and I look up and it's actually Polaris. <laughs> well
0: <laughs> Um, it's uh, Roger and Gene Corman. Gene Corman. Gene yeah. Corman, who just passed away in twenty twenty, actually. Okay. Um Roger Corman has done a lot of like uh you no know, low budget stuff too, but he also has some like major successes to his name. Like he uh, I think he wrote and directed uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Um but yeah, there's a lot of shit like Cobra Gator and uh, Death Race 4 Beyond Anarchy. Yeah. Uh, these are things he's produced. Um, it's true, true canon garbage. Frankenstein Unbound. It's <laughs> a good one. For like,
1: any fan of bad movies, his are usually a pretty good treasure trove. Um, so, again, just to kind of summarize, he knew it was a bad movie. Uh, but he wanted to do this as a passion project and as a driven by his own by his reporting as a as a um, meaningful tribute to his um, late uh, friends and family.
0: Which so that's 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 great and all. But so when you get really... to the
1: gas station where, they're, where the guy's filling up, he's blowing into a condom so that the snake can attack it. So it gets mad.
0: Oh, uh, my God. That that whole scene was a real piece of work. He's like, I, you know, what? I feed it. Nothing keeps it mean. Keeps it mean. Like, like, it's this gonna die un... in like three days, dude. What the fuck are you doing?
1: Like this guy like I will say the characters in this, especially Dietz, the most unhinged, like a, it's actually kind of impressive how unhinged these characters are. Yeah,
0: Dietz is is like the str- everyone else in this movie plays a pretty recognizable character archetype. Um you know, yes. the uh the macho boyfriend the uh you know innocent and like, naive young girl
1: a, i mean honestly in a better life this could have been a this was a b story on like a star trek voyager episode
0: yeah um
1: like where they have to go they go back in time to you know 20 2000s america and you know
0: they're the alien ship that crashed at groom lake and they're working with the air force yeah, to I get i think that was actually an episode home. of deep
1: space nine whereas the ferengi go back in time and they they're at Roswell. Um but like this is that it, you can fit in a half an hour of TV is what i'm saying.
0: Yeah, and there's yeah, there's not a whole lot of content. It's not a super long movie. Um most of the the length the hour 54 uh is the like 30 minute interview with Shatner. Yeah. Um so but not a lot happens of consequence in it. So like Deetz is such a strange character cuz his there's there's like the deets in the beginning and the deets at the end are the same but there's a middle portion where he's almost a different character. Yes. And it's very jarring it's and very goofy. You know, for for a movie that is whether intention to be a uh, a loving tribute or not exists in the realm of ego exploitation.
1: Yes Oh oh, definitely Very
0: shockingly Little Shatner In the movie And the movie's Worse for it
1: Yeah Cause he plays Yeah he plays Um The head of The Area 51 Who is yeah. trying to get The alien Back to space Uh After he crash landed Here and was living In the body of A wrinkly old man Uh So That's That's fun And there's, there's this
0: Purple glowy shit That's not explained And then I guess they did A test flight of the, the ship that he was going to use, and it like gave people nosebleeds who looked well, at Well, because it. it
1: was the oh yeah. yeah, it gave him like weird. I thought it gave I thought it would give him psychic powers, but no, it's just it gave him weird visions and yeah, like they they, they made
0: a big stink about how how the guy was glowing purple. I was like, oh, is he going to have like abilities that he uses in the climax? Now, no. nope, nothing interesting like that. Just really nothing terribly interesting in the movie except for the one scene where Shatner pulls off the mask of his which, cyborg suit
1: which in context is even better so they're they they go into the trespass zone the no no uh, the off limit zone and they crash their car after having contrived like uh Di- anger fight dialogue where- They're driving
0: up the hillside For no reason And they're like Oh he gets carried away Even though they're just like Going laterally Along yeah. the hill And She's like, like no, Oh we can't go up And we can't go back down It's like Why can't you walk up To the top of the mountain <laughs> Like,
1: Don't get out of. You have to get out of the car And then he gets out of the car I don't want to get out of the car Oh, it's fucking, because they they flip flop and they're just arguing for the sake it's of like. Arguing. Oh, there's it's a there's really a roll cage here.
0: Scene. We're gonna be okay. And, and of then course they, they roll the fucking car and they have to crawl out of the wreckage. <laughs> and and the first instinct of this girl is to fucking get it on with the dude. And then she gets like angry at him. Yeah, it's like how can you like? <laughs> where the fuck did this anger come? From? It's not that she doesn't get angry until they're like, oh, it's not oil Until- it's coolant it's even worse it's like did you think you were driving the car out of here like yeah. you fucking rolled it down a mountainside <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've got a scrap heap. would <laughs> you think you're just gonna flip it back over and be fine <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah
1: so he goes to investigate the the base he goes to get help yes okay yes and finds the base along the finds way finds the
0: base along the way and there's another guy who's intruding on the base. For reasons, just so he can get zapped with alien technology, so they can have the
1: one good effect in the movie um, of his fried corpse,
0: and um, you know, you you start to wonder because they're the other like I guess the B plot if the if you can even call if you can even. Decipher yeah. A and B plots from this movie. I would say the A plot is is the, the Kate and her boyfriend, you know, yep. doing their thing, and the B plot is sending the alien back home, which really should be the A, a plot. plot. Yeah. Um. But anyway, the the crux of it is there's a there's a, a bureaucrat from DC who's there to shut down the the program at Area 51 because you know they had a good run, and there's just oh my god,
1: and his character. His the purpose of his character is to sit in a little concrete under the stairs box.
0: And complain about how he's being detained against his will and threaten to to use his influence on to, Captain Morgan. To roast Captain Morgan. <laughs> but there's so we're introduced to uh William Shatner and this character, whose name is not important enough for me to remember.
1: Yeah, he's from the Pentagon. Wow. He,
0: yeah. Uh they're at the same diner that uh Kate and her boyfriend are at uh, When they're talking to uh, the waitress Who has a name That I'm forgetting Joyce
1: Joyce. Okay sure yeah
0: Um, Um, Who becomes a slightly more important Character by the end but not really of consequence But when they Drive back from the diner to the Air Force base They just have the worst Fucking Like exposition dump you've ever done scene. Yes. Where he's explaining how they've got the laser light
1: show to the guy who did it. Yeah. To
0: the guy who did it. He's like, wow, you developed this system and, you know, we tricked all these people into thinking that there's aliens going around here. It's distracting from what we're actually doing at the base. They never explain what the actual purpose at the base was meant to be. Um but anyway,
1: so like And of course this is all being done with the shitty camera technique where they have they have the guy with the handheld camera between the driver and passenger seat doing 180s yeah. as they're taking this footage.
0: And um so they get to the base and they detain the guy against it until the briefing, but you know, it's like there's an active mission, they make up some bullshit because he's gonna shut down the program right. and they really want to get this alien home. For reasons, like they don't really establish a relationship or what the alien's doing, so you start to think. I thought halfway through, okay, this is like an invasion of the body snatchers situation, where they're all like aliens or under the influence of this alien or something, and they're the antagonists. Mm-hmm. They're they're the, they're the antagonistic force, but there really isn't a clear antagonist in this movie. There's not really a clear protagonist in this movie either. I
1: guess the antagonist is the guy from the Pentagon because, like, it's a race against time. Like, they have the project ready if they can just get it off. But the guy from the
0: Pentagon did nothing wrong. Yeah. (laughs) He got held against his will.
1: Yeah. He got Um, taken
0: hostage.
1: You see he's from the government, though, so (laughs) you can't trust him. Um, So all this being said, um, Shatner takes the ship out on test flight. Uh, the, so boyfriend, he gets exposed to the the ship, and meanwhile he's like
0: right by the landing well. Yes. So when he had like in a his, weird,
1: confusing shot that didn't make sense to me. So to
0: when he was like grabbing his head and like acting like he was in pain, I'm like, okay, he's just too close to the ship launching. That's very reasonable, but they all gather, all the townsfolk gather outside town (laughs) and have a weird,
1: unhinged fucking rage. There's a
0: lot of weird shit happening in that scene. There's like a lot of like different like ethnic and religious groups that are just shoehorned in there.
1: And it's definitely just the town came out and these are the cool things that people in town do. There are
0: people shooting guns for no fucking reason. One
1: guy who's just on a horse.
0: (laughs) And then Deet sees the ship and he like goes into fucking. Like, he, like, starts brain hemorrhaging or something. has a stroke. Uh, he just fucking uh, convulses and goes on the ground. But that's never made mention again. Oh,
1: yeah. Because the movie opens with him, like, I, I want to see you again or whatever. And yeah. he's, like, calling out to it, like, there's a history. But they never explain that. Um, so, yes, there's this weird unhinged rave kind of thing going, or part campfire thing going on which maybe is just desert life i don't know i've never lived down the desert i could see that being a thing um but what i'm trying to get to is um girlfriend is camped up by the by the car and then just two fucking hillbillies roll up and they offer her help
0: i thought this was a rape scene for a little bit yes
1: i thought so too
0: until they Cause, cause like when they, they take, she, they offer to take her back into town in and like a dumbass, they, she gets in the car Yep. and they start ripping her clothes off.
1: Yeah. Start manhandling. I'm like, Oh, okay. First thought was like, Oh, they're from the government site. They're patrollers. And
0: they, yeah, they're going to take her back to the base. Right. That's what I thought too. And at then first. they
1: start, like you said, they rip her clothes off and I'm like, Oh, are we doing this William Shatner? And then this some is... dude runs in from off screen. Let me get on, on the fun.
0: Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck is happening here? And they, they pan up not to show anything. You just hear her going, no, no, no. Be and like, then when he... Presumably gang raped. When the boyfriend comes back, you discover her and her pants are down. And you're like, oh, shit. They actually did do a rape scene here. And she's, like, traumatized by him. Like, what the fuck turn is this? And then, just to uh, assuage any concerns you might have, they're like, they took
1: my clothes off to see if I was an alien. Oh, no. Okay, so I that's kind of a little out of order what happened because this, you missed the moment that was exquisite for me because they do the scene where they're all gang up on her and it pans up, but they cut from that scene directly to William Shatner taking the mask. Oh off, no. Yes.
0: Yes. Like, which that,
1: that is the big, I snapped my neck from the total whiplash of that. scene. That
0: was great because he just, he's taking the mask off of his like fucking enclave power armor. Yeah. And he just starts saying, you know, like, I, I told myself, let like, go, be free, don't think, trust the physics, just phys- science is fact. Yeah,
1: fear is fiction.
0: Fear is fiction, physics is fact. <laughs> <laughs> Explaining to the alien why he had trouble piloting the, the ship. <laughs> and then they cut back to her with her pants down. Yes. And we reveal that she was, in fact, not raped. Worry not. She was just violated to see if she was an alien yeah. or not. Yeah. And she, like, suffered a head wound somewhere in there. So they take her to the doctor. And then a bunch of bullshit happens. They go to the There's base. She the gets taken chasing. to the base. Um, <laughs> so they plan a daring rescue, which consists of them easily duping their way yeah. to where they need to go. And then uh, Deets kidnaps the alien for reasons. Uh, she They want to expose yes. the fact that they're actually aliens and they're not crazy.
1: Oh, we missed the part where he, how they get back into town because uh, they hitch a ride. Yeah. Beaten and bruised. They hitch a ride with a farmer who, while he's riding, tells him an interesting story about his cows. Yeah. Yeah, their pussies ripped out.
0: Yeah, they keep taking their cows, keep ripping their pussies out. He's like, dude, would you fucking not.
1: <laughs> All their <laughs> pussies got ripped out.
0: Well, they got her too. She's she's theirs now. I'm like, and you're like what is
1: this? What is this deliverance level dialogue shit? I
0: really thought banjos were going to enter into the fixture at some point here.
1: <laughs> it Like, and it just. Like, William, this was a tribute to your dead, your dead wife. Why are we talking about this? Like,
0: your... I feel like there's nothing about this movie that, like, like I couldn't recut Groom Lake into being a good movie. No. But I feel like there's some bones there that you could have at least made something a little more watchable out of it. And it's very, very strange to me that someone with the level of experience of William Shatner... Uh, you know star of stage screen and and all all manner of things he he
1: wrote a book called tech war
0: yeah like (laughs) would produce something so like devoid of coherence i guess yeah this movie it's it's not one that i would super recommend because it's not it's not often enough entertainingly bad it's just really weird and confusing for most of it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Dietz has kidnapped the alien, and then the alien starts shooting people.
1: Yeah, they crucify it, put it on the back of a truck, and then the a, the alien hungry people are no longer hungry for the alien.
0: Well, they want to kill the funny. alien. Yeah. And they start turning on Dietz and start trying to hurt the alien. The alien shoots back with its power armor, and eventually Shatner and, and company Get it back to the base and they send it home and it, it wraps up a and, movie that just
1: And it miraculously tells the girlfriend that, you know, there is an after like after you die, it's okay. You just you turn into other matter and we'll see each other again. Yeah. Don't worry. Um here's here's the moral of this story.
0: Yeah, very ham fisted at the end, it and like none of the movie uh advances or reinforces the uh intended moral. So you just you just wind up confused. Um yep. I would I would say pass on Groom Lake. Watch the interview about the production of yeah, Groom Lake. So
1: we're gonna be watching it on the way uh to our next location after this. That seems show.
0: that seems more entertaining than uh the movie itself. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh not not the finest work we've done on the show. It's it's got its moments of being hilariously bad, uh, but mostly it's a one scene movie and and the yeah. scene and I use that term loosely. It's just Shatner delivering some dialogue in a silly costume.
1: <laughs> it is, um it really is that red letter media best of the worst level. Awful. This would
0: not win best of the worst. Like this is one of those movies on no. best of the worst, where you're like, Oh man.
1: This one this one would get demolished.
0: Yeah, just nothing about it really worked or even felt like a movie in a lot of ways. Like I've seen, I've seen better from from worse minds, so that's kind of what makes this so disappointing. Yeah.
1: Um, um, again, one more one bright spot. Shout out to Dick Van Patten; he was my favorite performance in this movie. Uh, he they said you can sit down for ninety percent of the the takes, don't get up, and just deliver a Dick Van Patten lines, and he did it. And I was like, what a consummate professional, and what a nice even performance. Good job, buddy.
0: Yeah, like there. Are <laughs> I feel like the performances are largely fine. Just the writing is so out there and nonsensical. Yeah. Um, that's really the, the tale of this movie. So, uh, that's groom Lake and that's going to do it for us on this edition of the sound studs podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week with something, um, that will be determined. We will surprise you. Yeah. We'll surprise ourselves cause we probably won't think of it until right before we do the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, as often, as is tradition. But until then, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.